Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Today we continue with a message. We're going to look at the life of a strong man called Samson from the Bible. Today's message is called Fight for Your Sight. Fight for Your Sight. We're looking at Judges chapter 16, weaving in Proverbs 29. Judges 16, we'll kind of give you the backstory in a minute, but it begins with verse 13. And Delilah said to Samson, until now you've mocked me and told me lies. Tell me what you may be bound with. And he said to her, if you weave the seven locks of my head into the web of the loom. So she wove it tightly with the batten of the loom and said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he awoke from his sleep and pulled out the batten and the web from the loom. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and he said, I will go out as before, as at other times, and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him, pardon me, and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grinder in the prison. We're gonna weave in Proverbs 29, 18 from the Amplified. It says this, where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. But he who keeps the law of God, which includes that of man, blessed, happy, fortunate, and enviable is he. One translation says this, where there's no prophetic revelation or vision of what God is doing, people run wild, they cast off restraint. Vision carries with it some restraint. And we need that restraint. Let's pray together one more time. Father God, would you open the eyes of our heart? Let your word come forth in power. Would you prepare your people for the battles that are ahead? Would you prepare them with the spirit of joy and victory from the outset? For you're a God of breakthrough. And we love you and trust in you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Last week we talked about the fact that many times a spiritual breakthrough will occur, and then the enemy will try to complicate things with a sudden obstacle or a setback to try to steal your victory or the celebration of your victory. Looked at Israel's attacks from the Amalekites and Moses' victory on the hilltop by looking at the invisible realm and lifting the rod of God, the rod of God's authority, and interceding for the people as he watched the battle. We said it's time to watch and pray we concluded that if we remain ignorant of the enemy's devices or schemes, he will take advantage of us. But the battle isn't only in what we see or feel, is it? The battle is in the spiritual arena. And we need to claim our victory there first. All of life's battles are first won in the invisible realm in prayer. All of life's battles are first won in the invisible realm. We've got to see the invisible to see God do the impossible. And that's where we are. 
as the body. Now, in the origin story of Samson in Judges 13, it's interesting because sometimes if you don't refresh yourself in actually reading some of the stories, then you kind of remember the old... Um, like to me, I was raised in Sunday school, going to church, even though I didn't know the Lord, seeds were planted. When I think of the Samson story, I just think of kind of the portion I just read to you about the Delilah debacle and all that stuff. But if you read the backstory, it's really interesting. The origin story of Samson was very powerful. In fact, it was very similar to that of John the Baptist in that he had older parents that had no kids. They were barren and they desperately wanted a child. And a man named Manoah and his wife uh, were visited by an angel because they'd been praying for years. God, open, open my wife's womb. And suddenly an angel comes, the angel of the Lord visits and says to them, you're gonna have a son. You're gonna give birth to a child of your own, but this son is gonna be um, a, a leader in Israel, a deliverer for Israel. And you have to keep your eyes on what's happening with him and you have to live by a certain decree or vow or a covenant promise because we want him to remain um, steadfast in his heart. And so they, they, he was dedicated to the Lord by his parents while he was still in the womb. In fact, before they even had him, they came into agreement with the angel. Okay, if you give us this child, then we won't, uh, we will, we'll give him a, what they call a Nazarite vow. We'll give him a, uh, we'll let him take a vow and he won't um, touch alcohol. He won't touch dead things. He won't, uh, you know, the haircut was only the symbol of it, you know, but he made this Nazarite vow of special covenant pledge to live fully for God and his purpose. And this was made by, by his parents. And I just was reminded here that, you know, we have a lot, we have a bunch of babies the last few months that we haven't dedicated yet. So please, Pastor Chris, now that you're back, and we're glad you're back. <laughs> Would you please help organize? We need a, a, a child and baby dedication for parents because this is, this is a powerful way that parents can say, can present their, their children to God before the local church, before the body, and say, we dedicate this child. It doesn't save the child, but it marks the child in the spirit yes. to know the Lord personally at the earliest possible age and to be protected from harm. And so we believe for that. We, we pray. So we want to do that. But um, most people think about Samson and, and the, the bad haircut. And it wasn't about the haircut. <clears throat> his hair was a symbol of his covenant promise. The problem was that Samson's life, even though his parents made the vow, his life became filled with the three R's. Romance, riddles, and rage. What we find is that Samson's a very angry man, eventually, because he doesn't deal with what life throws at him and what happens to him along the way and keep his eyes on God. He became obsessed with inappropriate relationships, even as a young man, which led him to look for a wife from among the enemies of Israel, the Philistines, their arch enemy at the time, today we know them as the Palestinians, at that time the Philistines, and they were, they were something God wanted to solve, but he wanted, he wanted in the redemptive purpose of Samson, he wanted him to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Now, 
Samson, when you look at it, it was very interesting because before PlayStation, Xbox, or Twitch, he was a gamer. And if you don't know what Twitch is, ask your grandchildren. Anyway, so. He was a gamer. Samson played head games with people with the game Riddle Me This. Like the Riddler from Batman. Actually, it was gambling before casinos or lotteries. He made a large wager before his wedding to this Philistine girl in a bet he couldn't lose unless he told someone his secret and they spilled the beans like his brand new bride who'd been threatened, intimidated, and coerced by his opponents. I don't really hear anybody speaking out against gambling or the gambling culture taking over America. But I have to say as your pastor, what started on the 80s as a few states having lotteries and limited number of casinos in Las Vegas and Atlantic City has become the new normal. Now with even sports leagues and sports TV networks nationwide coming together to sponsor gambling. What could possibly go wrong? In Florida, I've been here since I was six years old, which has been three years anyway, so. It's, uh, we've voted against gambling every couple of years for most of my life. And yet it still tries to keep morphing. And now it's, well, the, through the Native Americans, we can pay reparation through gambling. The problem is, it's a concern for me as a pastor because it's another minefield for the next generation to walk through. So, I'm, you know, we don't sit in there and demonize things, but I'll tell you, many years ago, a young man with a great call of God in his life came to me and asked me to pray deliverance over him because he had a gambling addiction to online poker. And this is years ago before all this other stuff expanded. And it was just, and it, was just it, it, it ruined his life. Ruined his life. I want to say to you as your pastor, I, I, you know, I, I have my own issues, but gambling isn't one of them, thankfully. Uh, the only time I think I ever even, I went to, you know, my family's from near Atlantic City. My dad was born in Atlantic City, New Jersey. That was quite a gamble for my grandparents. But, um, but the fact is that um, I went one time to a casino with my family back in 86. And uh, somebody gave me like five bucks to play on a, like a one-armed bandit, they call it. And I did that, lost the $5 very quickly and never gambled again. <laughs> Thankfully, I lost. Because sometimes the, the people who get addicted, they have a big win and then forever they're trying to repeat it. I would just say it kind of came up in my spirit because there's so much now. And I just want to say to you, if you get in a slippery slope of losing important financial family money to these kind of things, we wanna pray for you. Because some people really find that is something they can't get out of. And uh, it's as addictive as drugs or alcohol to a lot of people. So it's interesting that in the Nazarite vow, there was no gambling exclusion. They had all these other rules, <clears throat> but nothing for Samson. 
to keep him out of the problem that he found. Addictive behavior is addictive behavior. But Jesus Christ is the freedom and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Don't keep going. I just want to say this. I don't, have I ever, I don't think I've ever talked about gambling in this pulpit in 32 years, but I'm telling you, it's everywhere right now. What started out as a football pool at work has become the whole online betting stuff that you can see, and the culture is drifting very quickly toward um, kind of a, a, a waterfall and a crash that may be coming. Uh, they call online, or they call gambling um, a tax, a voluntary tax from among the poorest people in the country. You volunteer for it, but you very often use money you, don't, you can't afford to lose. And so we just want to pray for you. We want, we're, we're sensitive to this. We're not trying to, do, to put anybody down, but I'm trying to say to you, if you play you know, online games on your phone, like, you know, I, pl- I play some games on my phone, but I don't bet any money and I don't do anything that costs me money. I like it, you know, just to relax a little bit, but the moment it becomes an, an addiction, you have to be careful. You have to watch out. When Samson <clears throat> found out that his riddle had been solved and he lost the big bet of, what was it, 30... Uh, designer outfits or whatever he was supposed to get. Um, He found out that his wife had betrayed his confidence. He lost his bet and he became enraged against her whole tribe and went on a barbaric rampage to pay off the debt, but also to take vengeance the rest of his life. Can I tell you forgiveness works better than vengeance? Forgiveness takes more faith than vengeance does. What was it T.D. Jakes used to say? That, that um, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting your enemy to drop dead. It's gonna affect you. Forgiveness is the way. Now, he had the world's worst father-in-law. Some of you thought you had a bad father-in-law. His father-in-law, when Samson got mad and went out and started on this rampage of Philistines, paid off his debt, he withdrew and went home to Israel, and the father-in-law drew some conclusions that weren't true. He hates his wife and he'll never be back, so he married Samson's wife off to the best man. Some may say, Yuck. That's a, I mean, this, this is not a telenovela here, folks. This is not, we're not talking about as the stomach turns, okay? We're not talking about some daytime thing. I mean, it makes, it makes a, you know, compelling story, but it's true. Unfortunately, why I'm telling you this story is because I believe there are many parallels between the life of Samson and the state of the 21st century church. I'm not talking about our church or one local church. I'm talking about the body of Christ nationwide, probably worldwide. Lord began to show me that this is a, there's a, there's a picture in Samson of the slippery slope of a backsliding heart. I mean, when, when people wind up 
at their pastor's office having committed adultery, they say things like, I don't know how it happened. I knew better. I just kind of slipped into it. It was like, oops, this was, a, this was a slip. This was an accident. No, there are signs along the way. So I'm going to give you five quick thoughts about Samson's ways that he got the bad haircut. Because it didn't start with a bad haircut. It started with other things. Are you awake? You here? All right, one thing about one service, the team up here and I can give you everything we got in one service and then we're done. Sometimes we have to save things on the tank for second service because we want to make sure that second service isn't a tankless job. Anyway, so number one, number one, Samson, and we see this in people that are going through some, number one, in a backsliding heart, keep vows loosely or religiously, but lose heart for God's presence. The backsliding heart begins with losing the first love and yet maintaining religious things. Samson kept his symbols of his vow for a long time, but he lost his heart for the presence of God. Jesus says in the book of Revelation, I have somewhat against you, even though you're a great church because you have lost your first love. And I said to you, if you've ever truly been born again, there were moments where you actually, it went from your head to your heart that Jesus was real, alive in you and loved you and you developed a love for him and a desire for more of him. If you've never had that, you need to go back to the beginning because there is a first love. Just like the romance, what I felt for, for my girlfriend, now wife of 42 years, when I walked in on that sixth period class on my senior year of high school, take it, looking for an easy grade in a course called peer counseling, of which I had no interest, but my teacher of that class, I was the editor-in-chief of the school paper, and he was the sponsor of that, so I took it for an easy grade. I went into that class, and I sat down, and the first day of, of 12th grade, senior of high school, the, the teacher said, now before we go, I want you to turn your desk around and find two other people, and you're gonna have a little discussion group. And I turned my desk around, and there was Gail Patrick, now Gail Chief. And it was one of those scenes. She'll deny it, but it was one of the scenes. You know the cartoons when the, when the, well, she didn't feel what I felt. But you know those, you know those cartoons where the, 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 the wolf's eyes bug out and his jaw drops and his tongue goes on the floor? This was my moment. First love. First love, that, that, that unmistakable attraction. Thank God that when Jesus found me, I felt the same way or even beyond about him. But it doesn't, you don't feel that every day. You don't feel that way every day. Don't lose your heart for God's presence. Value his presence. This is where I get so frustrated where people say, well, you know, I, I, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Well, theoretically, 
you know, true-ish, but not true. Because if you love Jesus, you're going to want to be around his people because you are part of the body of Christ and members in particular. Number two, the word of the Lord loses priority. Samson had, had words over his life and he had words from God. He was a prophet. He was a judge. He heard from God about God's wanting to judge the Philistines, but yet he had more questions about what was going on in the world than he actually asked God for answers. He became more curious <clears throat> about what the world had to offer than what God was already doing in his life. And he lost the priority of the word of God. He, he didn't stay. We, we don't see Samson digging into the Torah. We don't see him digging into it. In fact, what we see is more him feeding his doubts more than his faith. And his pride was in his own strength, his own giftings. Yes, it was a God anointing. It was a God gift. But throughout his life, he, what he recognized at first as a gift of God became something he, he began to depend on himself. I'll prove it to you from scripture before it's over. Number three, small and subtle compromises and shortcuts. Small and subtle compromises and shortcuts. One day, so the whole riddle, when he's on his way <clears throat> to introduce his parents to his future bride, so on his way to make the proposal, and on his way down, he sees a dead lion beside the road, and he stopped to look at a dead lion, even though in his Nazarite vow, he was not supposed to touch anything or anyone dead. He was not to have death even touch him, even the smell of it on his clothes. But he stopped, and he saw bees around the belly of this dead lion. He was curious about it. He started to be fascinated by it. And what he stopped by to look at for a second, he became obsessed with it. What he became obsessed with, he went ahead and he ate some of the honey. Yes, yeah, it's going gross. <clears throat> you know, the, the, the animal was just lying there. And, he, and he, he put in his hand and he pulled out some honey and he ate it. And then when he gets to the Philistines, he says, I've got a riddle for you. If you can guess the riddle, then I win. If you can't guess the riddle, I win. If you guess it, then I'll give you 30, you know, 30 outfits from Gucci. Small, subtle compromises. Blesses the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. <clears throat> so what happens is you understand the mistake happens when he gets curious about the wrong thing. There are landmines everywhere online not just for the next generation, but for you and for me. Images trying to vex us, pull us in, promise us a little shortcut, a little compromise here, a little compromise there. But I had a friend years ago who preached this message. What you don't confront won't change, even within yourself. 
If you won't confront something, you're in a slippery slope. Repentance cleanses the conscience. Repentance is a gift of God. Don't be embarrassed by the fact you stopped and looked at the wrong thing. Be embarrassed if you continue down the spiral saying, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Because the battlefield largely in this rumble starts right here and right there. The psalmist said, Lord, keep my eyes from looking at worthless things. Another place he said, I made a covenant with my eyes. I'm not going to have an altar call right here because otherwise most of the church should be up. <clears throat> Number four. Oh, here's a biggie. Once you start the slippery slope of small, subtle compromises and shortcuts, you develop a lack of discernment and you elevate the wrong voices. Lack of discernment. I've been talking about the last few years. Samson got burned by his wife. Ironically, she and her parents got burned up by the Philistines. She died tragically because of not what Samson, well, inadvertently because of what Samson did, but he didn't do it. Her own tribe did it. But once Samson, <clears throat> pardon me, learned he couldn't trust her, he still kept trusting the wrong people. The story I read to you wasn't the only harlot he visited. She was the last harlot he visited. He began this repeated behavior. Here's a man with a vow and an anointing and God continued to anoint him for a while. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. Three times Delilah goes after him to find out his secret and he does the same doggone thing that he did when he was a kid. Judges 16, 16 says this, and it came to pass when Delilah pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. Then he told her all his heart. These women kept saying, you don't love me. If you love me, prove it. You don't love, you don't love me. You don't love me enough. I love you. Prove it. So he tells his secret, even though Delilah had already shown twice that she used it against him and he still told her. He still stayed with her. Twice before, she said, the Philistines are upon you and he defeated them. He kept flirting with disaster. Number five, part of the backsliding heart, you adopt the morals of the world system and the culture around you rather than the values of God. You adopt, you begin, you actually begin to think that some things are okay that are not okay, that are clearly biblically not okay. Clearly, you have a standard. I mean, this guy, he judged Israel for 20 years. He was a leader in the nation for 20 years. 
and yet kept going down this road. But it all begins just like it did in the garden with these words, has God really said? Has God really said? Samson became driven by his anger and this desire for revenge took him down. One of the things the Lord spoke to my heart is preparing this is that there's a lot of angry Christians right now. A lot of people more angry about the world and what's going on in the world than jealous for the name of God. Once Samson gave up the secret of his anointing, his vow, his hair, several things happened immediately. The Bible says that when he told her all his heart, the next part says, she lulled him to sleep on her lap. And I'm telling you, the body of Christ, there are still so many that are sleeping right now. Still many that just can't, they just, they're so woke, they're not awake. They're so, they're so attuned with what the world, what's going on, what's going on, what they say, what they say, what they say, what they say. We gotta hear the voice of God more than we wanna hear the voice of everything going on out there. Be aware, but don't get pulled into it because it's not the answer. She lulled him to sleep on her lap. I preached a message one time years ago where I did, the, I did a word study on the, word, on the name Delilah. And I remember it, it literally means weakness. He kept going down to visit a woman named Weakness and then wonder why he fell asleep on her lap. How many know we're in a time right now where manhood has been under assault. To be a man is to be a crime in many parts of our country right now. To be a man. I'm telling you, we need the men of God to be men. We don't need professional wimps. Can I say wuss in church? I just did. Don't be a wuss. We need men to be men. I don't mean, ah, you know, tar- I'm not talking about Tarzan. I'm not talking like an idiot. I'm talking about we need women to be women and men to be men. We mean men to be masculine and women to be feminine. We need God's common sense restored back to our churches, back to our communities. It's not evil to be a man. We need men to be manlike, manly. Men, 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 manly, men, men. Sorry, we got more than two and a half men here. In, in that falling asleep, Delilah calls for the barber. Come in and shave off his vow. Cut off his covenant. And when he woke up, it was too late. And yet Samson didn't understand because he'd become so addicted to his own strength. Look at his comment in verse 20. He says to her, even though she says, ha ha, you're bald. He said, I will go out as before, verse 20. I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. I will go out as before. 
In other words, listen, a lot of Christians have squandered the mercy of the Lord and assume that they will always be able to shake themselves free, but they don't understand that their anointing has lifted. Right now, there's a whole lot of shaking going on, but there's no power in it. It doesn't mean anything if you're shaking yourself and you don't have the power of God. I was, I was in a... Um, uh, um, one of the most religious places in the world that I've ever preached, and I say this with love and reverence, but Central America, I preached uh, in six Central American countries in eight days a few years ago. I would never do it again at my age now. But I, went to, I did six Central American countries in eight days. It was like a, the craziest tour. And I was in... Uh, let's see, I was in Managua, Nicaragua. And down there, a lot of the spirit-filled churches were still so stiff and religious and had all these forms. And I was about to preach, and during praise and worship, these ladies just started spinning. You ever been to a Pentecostal church where people just spin? They just spin. They close their eyes and spin. I was like, what the heck is going on? And the pastor goes, oh, they do this every week. I said, okay, and why? He said, oh, because he told me after church, <clears throat> it's because that they were taught that if they're in the spirit and they close their eyes and spin around, it was like um, somebody from the Old Testament or somebody, somebody has spun. It was like David spinning around and leaping for joy. But if, if they bumped into somebody or bumped into something, they weren't in the spirit. They were in the flesh. But if they could spin around and not bump into anything, it proved that they were very spiritual. They were in the spirit. And I just looked at him like he was crazy. The Bible says having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, the now, the, the power of God to move in the now. From such turn away, we get so indoctrinated with our own stuff. That's why, listen, we want the Holy Spirit to be free here, but we also don't need... We don't need to elevate man's version of cringe moments. To be spirit-filled doesn't mean to be a nut. It means to be filled with God who is the sanest, the sanest one here. You're filled with the Holy Spirit and not have to prove yourself to anybody else. Not to draw attention to yourself. We had a few, a few years ago, a guy came and stood in the front row, first-time guest, and then walked up to the front and started to do kind of a spin little dance. And Pastor Lindsay was getting very nervous. But the problem is, it was drawing attention to him. It wasn't drawing attention to God. So we gotta guard our hearts about the motive as to why. So here, here, was, here was Samson, and he thought, well, I'll just go shake myself free. I'll be fine. But he didn't even recognize you know, Billy Graham said years ago, he said, we have so many agendas in our bulletin-led churches. He said, if the average church in America, if the Holy Spirit lifted his presence, most churches would never even know he was gone. They would continue with their same agenda. Billy Graham said that. Samson became bound he lost power, he lost freedom, and he lost his vision. The Bible says this, without a vision, people cast off restraint. Vision comes with parameters. 
We need those parameters. We need the boundaries. Listen, there's, any sport you play has out of bounds and inbounds, and it's for a reason. Because inbounds keeps you right there on the path, on the trail. There are moments in time where we find ourselves powerless or out of our own strength at the end of our rope. And I wanna say this to you. Maybe you're watching today. Sometimes, through no fault of our own, someone else's bad decisions or blatant sin comes to take your joy and affect your life through their compromises. But you've got to forgive and release because if you're blaming, you're not growing. You've got to keep moving forward in this. I'm almost done. Samson, according to scripture, became a blind grinder, which is hard to say real fast. A blind grinder, what does that mean? He, the Bible says that the Philistines hooked him up to a big mill since he was so big and strong and had him start grinding, just walking in circles to grind their meal. Some of God's people know how to live and enjoy a delightful life in God, but others just keep eking out a living, grinding on a job day in and day out. If you have no vision for what God wants you to do, be careful about becoming a grinder. Just going through the motions and just grinding it out. There are some days we just do what we have to do because we have to do it. But I'm telling you, if, you're, if you've lost vision, if you've lost sight of what God has placed in you, who God called you to be, what God wants you to do for a job, we need to be more like the sons of Issachar. First Chronicles 12, 32. It says, of all the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. My friends, we have to fight for our sight. We have to fight to see, to maintain vision, to have insight. Now for some really good news, and I'll close with this. In one of the most important examples of the love of God and the tender mercies of his grace, lest you think I'm condemning something today that's affecting you or what you're going through in your life. This is something the devil will never understand. The final part of the verse I want to read to you in Judges chapter 16, verse 22 says this. However, the hairs, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. In other words, his covenant with God began to grow back even as he ground at the mill. Even as he was a blind grinder, he might have lost vision, but he started to have that connection with God grow again. God is a restorer. Even as dark of a hole, as Samson went down, his covenant began to grow back by the mercies of God. As his hair began to grow, his spirit was revived. He regained his heart. He didn't regain his hair. He regained his heart. Samson actually fulfilled his calling to destroy the stronghold of the Philistines. When he said to a young boy, when they said, bring Samson in to perform for us at a big party, he said to this young lad that was his keeper, let me fill the pillars of the city one more time. And the anointing of the Lord came upon him and he pushed on those pillars and that whole temple fell down. 
And he killed more of the enemy in death than he did in life. Finally, this. If you read God's Faith Hall of Fame in Hebrews 11, there's a little passage in verse 32 that says, among the faithful who had real faith was a man called Samson. No matter how badly he did, by the mercy of God, he still finished his course. He still finished his destiny. You're still gonna meet him in heaven. And he's in the Faith Hall of Fame. We need to place a higher value on simply being able to see and activate the vision and purpose of God for our lives than anything else. Let's place a high value on it. Let's pray together one more time. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Would you come and breathe life into us, Lord? Would you come and breathe life into our hearts? Restore our first love today. Cleanse us from all those online traps. What used to be a danger of running the streets has become a danger in running the highways online. Father, would you come and help us to keep our eyes looking ahead, looking straight forward. Help us to make a fresh covenant with eyes. Protect all of the age groups, but especially our young people. Protect them from the distractions. Guard their hearts from all the things that cry out for attention that they, that if they look at or begin to experience, it opens doors to demonic power. Lord, today we just break that in Jesus' name. We say, devil, get your hands off our next generation. Get your hand off of our anointed ones. <clears throat> Both men and women, young men and young women, we pray the blessing of God over you, the power of God over you, and the freedom of God over you whom the sun sets free is free indeed. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed just for a moment, let me ask you a question. Are you truly living for the Lord? Or are you just grinding? Are you living for God's purpose? Are you in discovery? I'm not saying did you figure it out yet. I'm saying, are you open? Are you pursuing the discovery of God's purpose for your life? Because you're here for a reason, my friend. There are people that you will reach that I could never reach. There are people that you will reach that Pastor Lindsay could never reach. There are people that you have influence with. God loves you and he wants to reach people through you. You're not just here to take up space. You're not here just to, just to pay bills. You're here to live for a purpose, to live for a cause. Wake up in Jesus' name. Wake up to him. Wake up to his love. Wake up to his calling. Wake up to his purpose. Wake up. Snap out of it. We break this witchcraft trance over people. In the name of Jesus, be free. Be healed and be whole, whether you're in this room or whether you're at home. Wherever you are, we speak release and freedom over you. In the name of Jesus, don't just keep trying to live for yourself. Look for the purpose of God. 
Lean into the purpose of God. Find out while you're here, why you're here. Find out right now while you're alive, why you're alive. Because you're not an accident. You're not a cosmic coincidence. You're here with a reason and an assignment from heaven. And if you'll lean into God, the enemy cannot stop you. I pray for open eyes. The Bible says that the anointing of God opens the eyes of the blind. If you've come in today and you are spiritually been blinded, we say in the name of Jesus, eyes open. Vision be restored in the spirit and in the natural. If, you, if there's somebody who's been diagnosed something recently with a, by an eye doctor or by a doctor, something wrong with your eyes, and the, the um, macular degeneration, we pray healing over you right now. Glaucoma, you have no power over those eyes right now. Cataracts, you have no power over those eyes. Blindness, you have no power over those eyes in the name of Jesus over the young, and over the young at heart, in the name of Jesus. Eyes be restored, be opened in the name of Jesus. Lord, open the eyes today. In Jesus' name, amen. My friends, if you're going through something where you fall into one of those traps I said earlier, the answer is not in 80,000 hours of therapy and counseling. The answer is not in pills and medications. The answer is in the only one that can actually set you free from the inside out, Jesus of Nazareth. Amen. Turn to him. Give him your heart. Give him your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, event registration, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you.